Hi, and welcome to Cause Pods. I'm your host, Matthew Passy. Here on the podcast, we have one simple mission to highlight the amazing folks who are using podcasts as a way to raise awareness for good causes, whether it's a nonprofit they work with, a charity they support, a social justice campaign they're championing, a medical condition they're battling, or someone who is just looking to make a positive impact on their local community, their state, the country, or the world. These are podcasters with a positive mission. Along with raising awareness for our guest's favorite cause, we're also going to see if we can raise some money to support their efforts. So make sure you check out the show notes for each episode at causepods.org to learn more about what they're doing and how to help them achieve their goals. Joining me on the podcast today is a gentleman with a podcast focused specifically on the homeless and I don't think we've ever touched this topic here on Cause Pods. I think this is a fairly new podcast, but it is already making waves and doing some great stuff. And so we are very excited to do it. We are chatting with Russell Clare, host of the Homeless Podcast. Russell, thank you so much for being here on Cause Pods. Hey, thanks for having me, Matthew. It's a pleasure to be here. And it is a pleasure to talk to you. So what got you started with wanting to engage with the homeless in the first place? Before we even get to the podcast, like, why was this your cause? Yeah, it's that's really interesting. So I've lived basically all over the United States. We just moved back to Washington State where I grew up from Arizona. And when I was down in Arizona for four years, I noticed there is a huge, huge influx of, of homeless down there and there aren't very many shelters. And so we noticed that we used to go out and feed some of them. We would go and do some little donation stuff, which is great. And before that, I lived in Shanghai, China. We were over there as an expat family. And we would go out with our daughters and walk the streets and you had to be pretty careful. But it was really interesting because you don't see a whole lot of homeless in China. What you do see is few people on the streets that are begging that usually have a physical disability or they can't get a job. They've been in a they're a burn victim, something like that. And by no means am I promoting any kind of way of government. However, the homeless seem to be taken care of. And I don't know necessarily that could have been just what we saw as expats in a foreign country. Uh, so it's always been kind of something I've been aware of. You know, growing up in Bellevue, Washington, I used to in high school go and help out at the Union Gospel Mission in Seattle. So anyway, long story short, we moved back to the Seattle area. We're just south of Seattle in Olympia. And my daughter's driving in the van noticed some tents on the side of the interstate. Dad, what are people doing camping on the interstate? And it's since we've come back to the Northwest and we're seeing this across cities all over the United States, it's just exploded these tent cities. And I've noticed so much frustration on social media, on um, newscasts, all those kinds of things. I thought, you know, I just want to give a voice to people that don't necessarily have a voice to get out there. I want to learn individual stories. I don't want to be just frustrated by what I see all the time, but I want to know why is that person in particular where they are, that kind of thing. So I thought maybe recording these stories would help people kind of raise empathy, just give them an understanding, that kind of thing. And it really just kind of a labor of love. I love podcasts. I love listening to podcasts and I, you know, when I commute. So that's kind of where it came about from. Well, I definitely want to talk a little bit more about your passion for podcasts and creating sure. them. But, you know, getting back to the topic of homelessness, I mean, yeah. I think you are hitting upon something that is starting to get more coverage. But, you know, for the most part, when people think of the homeless, I, I live in the Northeast. And so I often think of New York City and you think of the crazy person ranting and raving. And, you know, clearly you can understand why that person might not be in a good situation, might not be living in a home. But 
What I'm starting to see and learn and understand is that the economics right now of the world, the housing crisis, you know, the fact that jobs just aren't paying enough for people to afford a home, like I think shocking the kind of people who are actually living out on the streets in these 10 cities. And so what have you found have been some of the most prolific and surprising reasons why folks are homeless? I went up to a park up in Tacoma, Washington, which is just a little bit up the interstate here. And I noticed, and it's actually in my third episode that just came out, the city put out a notice giving them 72 hours to clear out. And so I ran up there and I thought, what am I going to see? I'm going to see people clearing out their tents. I'm going to see them moving away. And that's not what I saw. And I bumped into a gentleman, uh, his name, well, I changed his name for the podcast, uh, but his name was Jackson, as we called him. And I didn't realize the problems that were there until I really talked to him, like you say, the most prolific problem, he gets social security every month. He gets, I think, I can't remember what it was exactly, I think $750 per month. That is not enough for rent, for food, for utilities, for all of those things. Even so while any of those things individually, let yeah. alone alone, right? Like combined, Oh right? yeah. Even in subsidized housing where the rent is maybe $500, $600, that leaves you what for a month? A hundred bucks to pay everything. It's not going to happen. So what really what woke me up to this is these, a lot of these homeless people that are getting checks with social security, they are getting something. It's still not enough because of, like you say, the, the cost of living, housing crisis. That was the biggest wake up call for me is that these are not necessarily just people who are getting zero dollars. They have some little bit of income, but it's just not enough. That was the biggest wake-up call for me as, as I was talking to him. So I'm curious. They're clearing out people from this one park. Yeah. Where do they go? Man, like, what that, do they do it, next? Yeah. As I, it's funny because that was the first thing I asked him on that podcast, on that episode. I said, where are you going? What are you going to do? And as we're talking about it, a guy from the local barbershop comes out and he talks a little bit about it because he goes out to the park across the street and he, he gives them food and everything. And this guy's making 500 bucks a month. And that blows my mind. As a barber, he's making $500 a month, working as hard as he can, still has time for the homeless. And I said to him, I said, where are they going? What are they going to do? He goes, they'll go away for maybe a day and then they'll come back and they'll just, they'll do it all over again. So that's really been kind of an interesting thing for me. It seems like a kind of a temporary fix, you know. It doesn't sound like a fix at all. Well, right. Exactly. It sounds like a 12-hour fix or something. They clean the park up. I need to go and check the park out. I hear they cleaned it up, but they'll all be back, you know, and it's really sad. It's sad to see. Worst part when I was up there was seeing a tent with a bunch of kids' bikes outside it, and it was a family living there. And that just, that broke me. It was so hard to see and actually witness, you know. Right. Because again, the perception is if you're homeless, it means you don't have a job, you don't have a blah, blah, all, like all these different things. But right, like there are people with jobs. Yeah. Decent jobs. Yeah. And because like you said, they're not getting enough, rent is too high, all these different things, they just can't get themselves into a home. And that is the tragedy of it. It's not just again, the caricature of the crazy person living in the gutter. It is real people, real families who if you saw them any other way, you would never assume that they were homeless. Yeah, you know, the stories that you hear on the streets, people I've talked to is number one, they've got a drug problem or number two, they've got serious mental illness issues. Well, yeah, we do know we have a mental illness crisis in America and all over the world. We know we have a, a drug problem, barbiturates, opioids that are on the streets. We know that is an issue. But like you said, that is not the sole issue. That's not the sole issue. Every night, 40,000 veterans alone 
are on the streets every night in the United States. And it's, you know, these are the statistics I keep finding and it just blows my mind because not all of these veterans, you know, that's where a lot of my passion is, not all of these veterans have mental illness problems, don't have drug addiction problems. They literally can't find a job. They don't have an address. And so when they go apply for a job, they can't put down uh, under the Fourth Avenue bridge. Well, no one's going to hire them, you know, that's the problem. So it's been heartbreaking, you know, and, and seeing these, like I said, seeing these kids, my first job that I took 20 years ago, I was a teacher at a children's homeless school sponsored by the YWCA. And uh, it was heartbreaking. I had a student, he was five and he would come every day and I would teach music. But before I did, I put on my rubber gloves and I'd go through his head and we'd look for lice. And that was hard to deal with. And that honestly, I mean, you talked about what got me into it. That was a long time ago. That was another, I didn't think about that, but that's another moment that really got me. And here I am, these kids just want to learn, you know, and these children that you see. So yeah, like you said, it's not just the mental illness problem. It's not just the drug problem. There's a lot more going on. And I imagine it's also, like you said, we were talking about the park, but like, it's a cyclical problem. I mean, how do you get yourself off the street if you can't get a job, right? How do you get a job if you don't have an address? How do you, like, it just seems like it's self-sustaining and there's no way to get out of it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it goes back and forth, back and forth. And and I don't know how they get out of it, honestly. And I wish I was an expert in this field. I'm not an expert in this field. I'm not a social worker. I'm a teacher. You know, so I deal with kids daily, that kind of thing. But it's a different perspective that I have. And like I said, I don't have a degree in social work. I literally just wanted to hear the stories of these people. But now that it's happening and I've got all these appointments with people People want to get their stories out. They really want people to know there's more to this than just your problems on the street with drugs and and alcohol and such. You know, one of the biggest issues too, that was a wake up call for me. People, I hear, why don't they just go to shelters? Why don't they just get in the union gospel mission for the night? Or why don't they go to the other local shelter, stay in the mitigation site by the city? The problem is a lot of people don't go there because they feel that they're not safe. They're worried that their things will get stolen. They're worried that they'll catch what they call scabies or lice. They're worried about being assaulted when they're in there. And there's only so much people can do that work in the shelters. So a lot of these people that are without homes, that are on the streets, you know, living in the woods or in tents, they would prefer that than being in a, a room with four walls and a ceiling because of their own safety, which is backwards from what I would ever think before I talk to anybody. I understand that there are people who want to get their story up, but I have to imagine it is difficult when you approach somebody with a microphone and say, can I ask you about what's going on? I I can't imagine you're getting, you know, a hundred percent. Yes. Responses. How do you get people to talk to you? Yeah, that's a great question. The first time I did this, I parked my car on the side of the street. There's like I said, a mitigation site where it's run by the city of Olympia, which by the way, City of Olympia is doing some amazing things. We still have a big problem here, but there's so many homeless because there are so many resources. So we have more homeless, if that makes sense. I was walking along the street and I was nervous. I was freaking out actually. I'm like, how do I walk up to somebody? And the first thing I thought is, geez, am I literally looking at people on the street as subjects for my little podcast? Am I just looking at, I want to tell a story and make this for me? And I was walking along and this this guy asked for a buck and I said, no, oh, actually he asked for a beer and I wasn't going to give him any alcohol. And I said, no, but I'll tell you what I do. And I told him, hey, I'm trying to, to do a podcast to tell stories and I'll take you to lunch if you tell me your story. 
So I took him into a restaurant. We went into the kind of the back. It was a little booth area, a really cool little restaurant. Uh, we had a bowl of clam chowder and the guy had so much to say. He'd just gotten out of jail. You know, he'd been out for, for I think, five days. We talked a lot for two hours. I looked down and my recording equipment wasn't on. That was frustrating. But, but I also, I thought as I was walking home, I called my wife and I was like, oh, I'm so frustrated. I can't believe this happened. And then I thought, wait a second, this guy just got a hot bowl of soup and got to talk to somebody. Maybe that's what this is about. And it really was an eye-opening thing for me. And that made it easier to approach people because I started not thinking about, I'm going to make this podcast rather than, you know, I was able to go and say, I'm just going to help people. Maybe I can give somebody lunch. Maybe I can buy them some, uh, some food on the street. So it is nerve wracking, absolutely nerve wracking. I don't go out at nighttime. I make sure I'm in a safe place. My parents are freaking out about it. <laughs> they kind I'm of are, sure. well, I shouldn't say they're freaking out about it. They think it's amazing what I'm doing, but they also are like, hey, are you careful? Be- of course I'm careful. I don't go into the tent cities in the woods. You know, I'm, I'm being very safe. I don't use my, my full name, as you noticed, uh, because I wanna make sure that I'm being safe and somewhat anonymous. So that's kind of why I do this. It's nerve wracking. Sticking up a mic on there. I, I do a little lapel mic. Last week, I took somebody to lunch. She was uh, probably in her 20s. And she asked if, if I could buy her a pop. I said, yeah, let's go to the pizza store. I'll buy a pop. By the way, this is what I do. I tell stories. Would you like to tell your story? She goes, yeah, I'd love to do that. That would be great. I want people to know. We sat down. I ordered this pizza. We each had a Pepsi, I think. And then she looked at me. She said, no, I don't want to tell my story. I said, oh, okay. Well, let's have some food. We talked and, you know, she's a methamphetamine addict. Uh, she hasn't seen her kids in a couple of weeks. And it was really sad that she got a warm place for an hour. And I ended up leaving a little bit early at an appointment and she was just sitting in there. It's hard, Matthew. It's, it's frustrating and it's a bit scary, I'll be honest, because I've never faced homelessness personally. And, you know, we always talk about the charity that we want to support, sure. you know, and, and whatnot. And you have a great charity here that I think is clearly worthy of support and donations. But I almost feel like we need to get you like a PayPal or a Patreon or something so that people can help you pay for these meals, right? If if yeah, you're yes. going out there and buying folks lunch, like, you know, we it's should help you up. do that. It is going to stack up, but yeah. it, it's just, you know, you're doing such a good thing. And I think it would be useful if people could donate to you so that you can give directly to some of these mm-hmm. folks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we give to these large charities and these organizations and we hope it's going to the right place, but who knows? So That's right. You know, it's funny. I looked into supporting Patreon and or setting up Patreon and I did set one up under a homeless podcast. Uh, I haven't pursued anything with it yet or, or gone through the whole mix of, because I didn't know how am I going to use these funds yet. And I thought about that, you know, what resources can I do to, to help these people? And maybe that is one way to do it. Absolutely. Well, so I want to go back now to, you said that you were really passionate about podcasts in general, and that's partially why you did it. So where did your love of podcasting come from? Honestly, it came from sword and scale. (laughs) I I mean, everybody everybody knows that I love true crime. I jumped on the the Mike Bidet bandwagon for a while and, uh, you know, I took a little break from it when it got pretty dark, but I thought, man, storytelling is just this awesome thing that as I'm commuting to work, you know, I love to just kind of engage and, and not just listen to music, although I love music, I'm a music teacher, but um, I love to hear stories of people. So that's kind of where it started. I listen to, you know, your local news podcasts every morning. I listen to yours now, which is great. I just listened to the one on, a, on the STEM 
Uh, oh, thank st- you. which is really cool. I love that Skeptoid, as an educator. Yeah. yeah, the edu, what do you call it? edutainment? I love edutainment, that. Edutainment. Yeah, yep, that's very cool. So that's kind of where my love of podcast came from. And I thought, wow, if this really reaches out to me, maybe I can, I don't know, maybe I can jump in the game a little bit here. So you decide that you're going to go out, tell these stories, you're going to use podcasts. You clearly you have some knowledge on doing this, having being a music teacher, right? Like recording shouldn't be all that of a right. challenge to someone. Right. But what were some of the challenges you faced just getting this off the ground? And you're still pretty fresh at this. I am really fresh at this. You know, three episodes are out. And that's not very many. I mean, I have a bunch, I have a couple more episodes ready to go. The biggest challenge I found for me was time, having the time to do it. I give myself, I'll lock away one day per week where I can sit and master an episode. I can usually master a half hour episode, usually in about three hours or so, sometimes a little bit longer, depending on how many cuts I need to do. I just cut one episode from an hour and a half down to 40 because, you know, I want people to listen. And and I think for this topic, I don't think those super long podcasts are exactly the way to do it. You know, that was one of the the things, the biggest challenge I really felt, Matthew, is how am I going to get this out there? How am I going to promote it? And so I slapped it all over my Facebook. I created a Facebook. I've had people, I have friends from all over the world who are actually recasting and reposting, which has been amazing. I've joined a couple groups online, you know, just kind of learning as I go. I'm, I'm a newbie at, at all of this. So I, I'm at the tip, 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 tip of the iceberg, I know. So I know there's a lot more to learn. I love sound engineering, though. I love messing around with Audition, which is the format that I use. That kind of stuff is cool. I got my master's in a sound technology, educational sound technology. So, and everything's changed since then, but I love that stuff. But yeah, I, lo- I love messing around with that stuff. It was, I was there in the days of audacity. If you remember audacity, oof. Sure. You know? Yeah. Still yeah. out there, still very prevalent in the space. Absolutely. And I know a lot of people use it and it's perfect for a lot of people. So that was kind of cool. That was kind of my intro to it. So when you, it's funny, you know, you go up to someone, you say, I'm doing this podcast. How often are people like, what's a podcast? You know, what's funny? Nobody. Well, that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> my, uh, my in-laws were kind of well. like, <laughs> you know, and my folks too, you know, and I think that might be a generational thing. Podcasts are becoming more popular now, but anybody that I've talked to, the, the youth that I've talked to on the streets, oh, podcast, cool, man. You know, oh yeah, I want to listen to that. That's awesome. I can, I can afford that, you know, that kind of thing because it's not through a paid subscription podcasting host. It's a, you know, it's open to everybody. So honestly, it's been generational who's understood what a podcast is. What about when you're talking to these folks and getting their story, you know, I know it's tough for us to solve it, but when they're done chatting with you, what do they want the listener to do? Like if I'm listening to one of your episodes and let's, you know, Jackson, what is like, what's Jackson hoping for at the end of that episode? What is he hoping that someone at the other end of listening is going to be able to do or or say or something? Yeah. I've interviewed, dude, uh, sorry. I've interviewed probably... 15, 20 people so far, just in the past six weeks. And it's kind of a a unified front on what people want others to get out of it. And that is just listen. That really is it. A lot of these homeless individuals are not saying, give me money. You know, I want this money or, you know, pass me some, some pot or, or I'll have, I have had that by the way, or that kind of stuff. I've also been offered a lot on the streets. Um, Yeah. But honestly, like, well, like you said, Jackson, we'll talk about him. He was really interested in just getting his story out. And he was just a beautiful soul. I mean, he was quoting scripture. He obviously had a strong faith. His 
spouse had died. She got sick. They couldn't afford healthcare, so she died. And she was homeless as well. She was born a, a heroin addict. Through her whole, her whole life, she dealt with that. He just wanted the story out there. And every single one of them has said, I'm just glad somebody's going to hear my story. What I want people to get out of it, yeah, jump in, help do what you can. But honestly, if any story just opens somebody's heart to the point where they're walking down the street, they see somebody on the on the side of the street and they look at them and they catch their eyes eye to eye and they acknowledge them for being a human being, job done. I mean, yeah, we want to raise funds, give them a home, but let's start from the basics. Let's make sure that we're all on the same playing level. We're all human. You know, circumstances, regardless of drug addictions, regardless of, of mental illness, regardless of, of where you are at life, that doesn't matter. We're all humans here and we all need to get through this crazy cycle of life. Let's just acknowledge people for being people. Look at them, say hello. I mean, that's a first step. That's a beautiful message and one that's not too complicated, but one that we seem to struggle with. So, you know, we were talking about the charity and you in particular, you want to raise awareness. You mentioned earlier about your passion for veterans, the National Coalition for Homeless Veterans, nchv.org. Uh, what do they do and why is this your, you know, donation of choice today? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I have got some notes here just to talk a little bit about that. So they're the primary liaison um, for the nation's care providers. Uh, they also talk to the U.S. Congress and the executive branch agencies charging charged with helping them succeed in their work. They set up workforce uh, opportunities. If you go onto that website, you can actually click on your state where you live and you can see which organizations partner with the National Coalition for Homeless Veterans. And so while I want to support that, I also want to promote a local reaching out charity here called Sarge's Place. And I don't know if you saw, I hate to bring this up, but if you know the Twilight books or if you know the movies, you know the vampires and the werewolves sure. and the, yeah, the teen kind of thing. It takes place in this place called Forks, which is way up in the tip top corner of a of Washington State. Beautiful, actually one of the only rainforest areas in the Northern Hemisphere. And uh, Sarge's place is up there in Forks in this county that has the most homeless veterans in Washington State. And what she does is she offers, or they, well, it's a, a lady that runs it, but she offers veteran connectivity with other opportunities. They get dental when they move into this place that she's had donated. Uh, they have a mental health case manager, all of those things. So I, I just want to talk a little bit about Sarge's place because I think what they're doing and their ambitions to help the homeless uh, veterans is fantastic. It's not just giving them a shelter. It's helping them succeed, find a, to get health insurance, to find a place to live, to, to get on the job market again. And that's the greatest thing about the National Coalition for for Homeless Veterans is they're kind of the they're kind of the big I guess the big word for for getting to Congress and getting the word out. And then you have all these little subsidiary organizations, thousands of them. Right, and like you said, what's really nice about this is you can go on there, you can click on your state, and then you can find the communities and the organizations that are working in your local community, in your neighborhood either donate to them directly or reach out. I'm sure they would all be ecstatic if you can go out there and volunteer. Money is great, but you know, sometimes bodies are, are more important than, than funds. Absolutely. In a couple of days, I'm actually driving up to Forks. I'm just going to spend a day up there and interview some homeless veterans. I'm going to kind of learn more about Sarge's place. It's great how this has come to fruition. So there will be an episode featuring personal stories of veterans who are facing homelessness. Uh, just another chance to get that out there again. 
And I hope you interview the, you know, the organizer up there and, and tell that's who I'm meeting too. Yeah, that's who I'm meeting and we're going to hang out all day. It's going to be a, a really interesting day. I know she's really excited about it just to get her story out there as well. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, again, the work that she's doing and, and just the cause that you're raising awareness for is just, it's so important. There's just so, the number of homeless on the streets is, I mean, one is too many, but obviously the number is just way too high. And I think if people understood why it's happening, there would be a lot more sympathetic, a lot more empathetic to, yeah, to people's yeah. needs. And 17 out of every 10,000 people are homeless. 550,000 people in our country. That's just, just I mean, too many. Go on YouTube and Google or not YouTube or search homeless in Hawaii. That's crazy to watch, to see. You know, everybody thinks of Hawaii as this great paradise. The homeless communities in Hawaii are rampant and it's cost of living again, you know. And right. It's, Taxes it's, out there are astronomical. Yeah, oh, yeah, Real absolutely. Real estate is astronomical. Oh, yeah. And jobs are probably pretty sparse because You're there's not much island. out there other than tourism. <laughs> well, right, and right. there's not much out there other than tourism. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So it's it's amazing. And bringing that up, it, it is regional. I mean, we have these regional problems. You know, I'm dealing with different things that you'll be dealing with on the Northeast. In the Northwest, we do with different things. I have a sibling who lives down in the Los An- greater Los Angeles area. And, you know, he sees it in a different perspective. I'm interviewing somebody on the phone tomorrow. He's homeless. He's a veteran. And he lives on the streets in LA. And I was hooked up uh, with him through um, professional singer who's who's online and she saw my post and she wants me to interview him. So, you know, it's not just Pacific Northwest, although that's my main focus, but it's just getting the word out, you know, letting people hear those stories. Most people aren't going to walk up to a homeless person and say, hey, man, tell me your story. I want to know about it. Who's going to do that? People don't no, most, do it. No, most people cower in fear and run the other way or cross the street or something. That's right. That's right. And, you know, you have to understand that fear. I mean, I don't shame anybody for that fear at all. It's just not in everybody's wheelhouse. And I'm nervous and a little bit scared every time I go out. But I also know that maybe this is that chance for that person who's a little bit fearful to hear that individual story. Well, the show is The Homeless Podcast. You can find it on all the usual podcast platforms. Check out the website, homeless.simplecast.com. Check out the charity the national coalition for homeless veterans nchv.org if you want to learn more about sergeant's place in particular sergeant'splace.com we will also include links to all these in the show notes and you know what we're going to include a link to your patreon and if anybody wants to you know throw a couple of dollars russell's way and help him buy a meal for somebody who uh, wants to just you know get inside for an hour or two and, and tell their story and russell i always end these conversations by asking for somebody else who is hearing what you're doing is passionate about a cause, but they're just, they're afraid to podcast or they're not sure what it looks like. They don't have a music back, like whatever it is. Like what's that advice for someone who you think could be getting their story out there via podcasting who has never done this before? Well, you and I connected on a, on a, on a Facebook forum. That's right. And that was it for me. You know, I knew I wanted to do a podcast. I researched it. Obviously I Google all about it or binged it. I don't know what I used, <laughs> you know, so there is so much help out there. You know, there are people, if you have a question you don't know how to master or mix, I mean, we have so many free resources. So anybody that has access to YouTube, literally how to start a podcast, there are thousands of great videos out there. And again, I did a lot of research onto, you know, some offer free services and things come along with that. Some you pay a subscription, things come along with that. So really it's what that person's story is going to be, what they want to tell, 
there's everything from people who do these mass production with underwriters to I know there's this mom and daughter where they literally sit down and talk about living together, you know? So there's anything for anybody. But I think for me, uh, the best advice I could give is if your intent is to have a podcast and that's the number one goal, I would think you need to re maybe reevaluate why you're doing it. If you have something to share, think about how you want to share that. And I think you'll come to the conclusion that the podcasting is one of the best ways to do it. And that way you're kind of getting your priorities in the right way. I couldn't have said it better myself, even though I say that all the time. Yes. You don't need a podcast. You don't have to have a podcast. And if your whole thing is, I want to start a podcast, but I don't know why, you're probably not going to do too well. But absolutely, if you got a good story, if you have good content, and this is the right way to get it out there, then there's a way to get it done. You know, the old saying, if there's a will, there's a way. That is true for your podcast as well. Well, we have been chatting with Russell Clare, host of the Homeless Podcast. Again, homeless.simplecast.com for links for the best way to subscribe and listen. We will also include notes to the show, notes to the charity, and notes to all the social media so you can follow Russell, see what he's doing, help him, support him, and you know, stay up to date on such a great cause that he is working to help. So Russell, it is a pleasure and an honor to have you here on CausePods. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Matthew. And I really appreciate all the stories you're putting on CausePods too. I'm learning about great charities and organizations too. So thank you for all your work. Really appreciate it. Our pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cause Pods. I want to take a moment and thank the newest team member, producer Caroline Quash, who does an amazing job with scheduling of guests, finding particular guests, making sure that everything gets posted properly and making sure that everything, she just helps to keep the trains moving. I don't know if I can continue to do this project without her. So thank you, Caroline, for everything you do. And again, if you've been inspired by the work of our guests, please check out the show notes in your podcast app or at causepods.org. There you will find links to their work, and a special donation link to support the cause. From there, you can also follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Follow us on social media and join the special Facebook group dedicated to you folks who are producing podcasts for a cause. So if you're already producing said podcast or if you're thinking about launching one, join the group. We have provided some resources. We're going to look to provide even more. And hopefully we're going to arrange some special nonprofit pricing of various podcast service vendors to help you with your venture and keep you under budget. And lastly, if you are a cause potter, someone who produces a podcast for a cause and want to join me for an interview, please, please check out the form at causepods.org. Once approved, we'll schedule you for a chat and share the amazing work you do with the cause pod audience. Thanks again and see you next time on Cause Pods. Oh, 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 o